I tried to get Ms. Kelly to put out the word best I could today that uh, we would be preaching on the rapture because uh, that's one of those topics that either scare people to death or they can't get enough information about it. It's one of those weird um, things in the Bible that it either offends people, scares people, and or it, you know, people, uh, truth be told, a lot of people don't even have the belief system in the doctrine of the rapture. So just a minute, we're going to jump right in. Um, but just talk a minute. How'd the wedding go yesterday, Justin? I ain't got to see you yet. Awesome. Pastor Justin did his first wedding yesterday. Praise God. He married his brother. That's so awesome. Hey, I was working at the Camden Church all day yesterday. And um, when I walked out, they got a metal building. I got your text. That's why it was slow coming to you. Because when I walked out, it started going bing, 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 bing. You don't get text, do you, Nanette, in the Camden Church? So I walked out of there and started getting all my texts. Didn't even realize I had gotten any. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you, sir. How many of you guys have enjoyed the um, summer revival so far? Man, wasn't it awesome? I loved all the different flavors and personalities and voices that God uses. And I was ready to pull out of the summer revival, honestly, um, this week and start a series. And I will be teaching a series, but I got the phone call two days ago from dad. And if you don't know who dad is, he is our senior pastor. I'm a campus pastor here, Gulf Shores. But I am the, uh, we have a leadership of the Victory Church, and mom and dad are senior pastors. And dad called and said, Hey, Cricket, I'm not ready to stop the summer revival yet. I want to put a couple more weeks in. That's okay. He said, I want to go at least to the holiday. So uh, he said, I want to send Stephen down to El Dorado next week, and I want you to come up to Canaan. He's still wanting to mix it up just a bit. So I'm going to start today on what I'm talking, teaching, and going to be sharing. But it's going to take a week break for next week's revival service. Pastor Stephen's going to be here with us. And then I'll pick back up going forward as of when I speak. But I think it's probably one of the most important topics we need to talk about right now. Um, if you turn the news on at all, you can't deny the fact that the world is going crazy. But that's not new news. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about the world going to be going crazy when we start getting close to when the Lord is going to return. And I don't know all what's going on now, but I do know this. Jesus is going to return. His word is true. So today I want to talk just a little bit about the rapture. Because, uh, you know, it is one of those topics that, and to me personally, I have never preached on end times, rapture, or anything up till two years ago. When we came back together on the parking lot... Um, after COVID shut everything down, I was the first time I've been pastoring over 25 years now. It was the first time I ever preached on end time prophecy and end time vision. Not that I don't believe in them. I always felt like, you know, if we preach on how to live for God and meet God and know God now, that'll take care of itself. Well, there was a reason why I felt like the Lord began to tell me two years ago when we were on the parking lot to preach on end times because Jesus constantly talked about end times. And if it was something that he was constantly talking about, me as a pastor, I didn't need to shy away from it. And so I always didn't want to sound uneducated or because, man, if you've ever read the book of Revelations, there's some complicated stuff in there. And I don't understand all that the seal. And so, you know, as we go into this, I'm going to teach this at my level because I'm calling this series Rapture Ready because I can tell you this. 
we're only a matter of time before this church right here has seen the greatest revival it has ever seen. I'm telling you this. There's going to be a day in the future that there's going to be so many people in this building to hear the message. There are going to be so many people. We won't be able to get them inside the glass doors. And it's not just going to be this church. I'm here to tell you. There's coming a day that every single church in this city does not have enough seating capacity to handle the crowd that's about to come. Every city, every church in every city. You know, on 9-11, we saw things we'd never seen happen before. We had no idea. How many of you guys remember exactly where you were when you heard the news? That all of a sudden, everybody got up, day was normal, and before the morning had really even started, I was actually at a Christian school in Lakeland, Florida. I was teaching my first chapel class to a high school um, students. And I just got up and my boss walked in. My senior pastor walked in the back of the chapel and came and sat down on the back row. Well, that's never good when you worked at the church. I did a, the senior pastor come and sit in a chapel service that I'm teaching. I thought, oh, Lord, I must have done something. And he's having to check up, making sure I'm not preaching error. And he sat there through the whole thing. And then when I dismissed, he came up and told me, we need to go sit in the office. Something's happening. We went up to the office. And for the next six hours, we didn't move. We were watching people jumping out of burning buildings. We watched planes hit buildings. In a blink of an eye, America's world changed. And you can pretty much ask anybody, hey, where were you at on 9-11? And they can tell you as detailed of a story as I can just tell you where I was. Because it was such a moment. We didn't know if we were at war. We didn't know if there were more planes. We didn't know. We just were seeing the level of destruction taking place. And we had no explanation for it. And so we were all glued. I'm here to tell you, the Sunday after 9-11, it was reported that that was the most highly attended church service in American history. The Sunday after that took place, people didn't know what was going on. They were needing answers. So they were running to churches all over the country. I'm here to tell you that there's a revival ahead that we do not have enough church services to hold the people. We will have to do, I believe that we will honestly have to have church services back to back to back, night after night after night, just to handle the crowd of people that are about to come. And my prayer is this, that that revival doesn't start the day after the rapture. Because if it doesn't start before, I'm here to tell you, the day after the rapture, every church in the United States and around the world will be full of people trying to find out what it is they need to do, what it is that's happening, what it is taking place. So I felt like in my heart that before we wait for that day, we need to get people rapture ready now. Because if you know what to do to not be there the day after the rapture, and you do it now, then that's my job. If you choose to stay after the rapture, and you choose to go to church the next Sunday, I want to be able to tell you now what it is you need to do. Because we need to go into this thing fully aware. You say, well, Cricket, you're talking about something I don't have any idea about. I grew up in a uh, pastor's home of an Assembly God church. 
And one of our 16 fundamental truths is the doctrine of the rapture. And I do understand that that's probably one of the most controversial doctrines in the church today. There are people that believe that there's a statement that was actually said one time that the most nonsense belief system of a Christian is that a rapture is going to take place. But I'm here to tell you this. If you can believe Jesus died on the cross for you and forgives you for your sin, you better believe there's a rapture. Because the Bible in detail fully talks, gives everything and gives information on what we need to do before and what those that are here after, how they need to prepare. So that's my heart. That's what we're going to go after today. And you say, well, Craig, I don't understand. You know, I grew up in charismatic church, believing about the rapture my whole life. And I got to be honest with you, most of my life, I lived scared to death of it. (laughs) I've shared the story to where there would be time my parents, I went to a Christian school and they would play the movies, The Mark of the Beast and Distant Thunder. And, you know, it was old, horrible drum. Now, since then, since I got out of school, they got the the Left Behind series and all these other ones. But back then it was guys wearing bell bottoms and long um, goatees. Anybody else remember those back in the 70s? 70s, man, and they would put us in chapel in school and we'd watch them and then we would all leave school scared to death that the Lord was going to come back. And I got to be honest with you, it wasn't that I was scared that I wasn't going to make it. I really was scared that he was going to come back before I got to live my life, get married, meet the girl. I mean, I had all these selfish reasons. But then there was a time that I was so scared the Lord was going to come back because I wasn't living right that I would go to the house. If I got home from school and my mom and dad's cars were there, and I opened the door and hollered, hey, mom, hey, dad, and I didn't hear anything. First thought go through my mind because I was at Pentecost. The rapture happened and you're left here. And so I go tearing through the house and pick up the phone and try to call the deacons or Brother Donald, sit them, or who it would, that I would know wouldn't get left. And But usually mom and dad would be sitting in the backyard working or something. And I had a healthy fear of the rapture growing up. And I got to be honest with you, it kept me from doing a lot of things. I'm, I'm here to tell you this too. You don't have to be afraid of the rapture. I'm not preaching this today. To cause fear, because fear is not why. As a matter of fact, as we get into it, you're going to see the news of the rapture is not supposed to cause any kind of fear at all in your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it's actually information that is supposed to comfort us. And so I pray that as I get into this today, that that's what this does. Secondly, I know I'm addressing while I get into this topic, the story is kind of like, the boy that cried wolf. How many guys have ever heard that story before? Boy, that his job was to watch out for the wolf. And so he was, the, the city had a wolf that was being menacing and coming and stealing, tearing things up and hurting people. So his job was to be the watchman for the wolf. And his job was if he saw the wolf, he was to cry out with the loudest voice, wolf. And the whole city would gather together and kill the wolf. And so he was on his watch one day and he thought, you know what? I better check, test this thing out to make sure that uh, if the wolf does come, that uh, everybody's on key. So the story said he hollered, wolf, and all the men come running out of the city and, you know, got ready for, where's the wolf, where's the wolf? And he's like, well, there wasn't a wolf. I was just testing this thing, see if everybody was ready. And so they went back, and the next day he decided, you know what? They may not, since I did that yesterday, they may not come out again today. Let me, let me try that again. He hollered, wolf, and everybody ran out and got ready for the wolf. And again, he told him, I was just making sure that you guys were going to do your part if he came. And they got, after four or five days of the same thing, he finally called wolf one day when the wolf showed up and nobody came and he got ate by the wolf because he got 
so told the call for the wolf so many times. And I know when you're talking about the return of the Lord, if you have any kind of church history, you can be there. I remember in 88, a very famous author put out a book called 88 Reasons Why the Lord's Going to Come Back in 88. Anybody, you guys buy it? Was I the only dummy? They've got the book and read it. All right. I know uh, maybe I'm the only dummy in this room, but I had a healthy fear of the rapture. All right. So if the Lord was going to come back in 88, I needed to know uh, why and how and when. And so I was getting ready to get all my bad doing in before 88. And um, 88 came and he said it was going to be during Rosh Hashanah in 88. And so I was ready. I, I mean, the day before Rosh Hashanah, I got right, man. I got the book. He went through great detail explaining 88 reasons why you need him. So, man, I tell you, the day before Rosh Hashanah, I was praying, repenting, throwing away all my rock, Bill Bib DeVoe tape and all that kind of stuff, getting out of the house, getting ready for the Lord. And it came and it went and the Lord didn't come. And so I know what it's like to call wolf because since the very penning of the Bible, people have been saying the Lord's going to return, the Lord's going to return. So I don't want you to be one of the ones that have heard it so much that at this moment you've done come so immune to the calling of the Lord returning that it's not a serious matter in your life anymore. That because... Time has passed and it hasn't happened yet. That maybe you're thinking it's not. I'm here to tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, as sure as the sun came up this morning, there's going to be a day that you're going to wake up and the Lord is going to return. And so I want to explain just a bit why. And if you don't have the church history that we have, maybe I can uh, lay out some of the biblical doctrine of what the rapture is. Because I know there's an argument about what, our, what rapture is. Some people say this. The word rapture is not even in the Bible. You guys have heard that. All right? That's not true. We're going to clear that up here in just a bit. Um, how many of you guys have heard the, trinity, the word trinity is not in the Bible? All right? Is there a trinity? Is there a Father God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Amen. Yeah. Is it, so, but it is in the Bible. The word rapture is actually in the Bible. And I'm going to, I'm going to show it to you today. And, um, but what the doctrine of the rapture is is this, that when Jesus left, he said, I will return. And the doctrine we believe, because it's in the word of God, is that there's going to be a day that the Lord is going to return. And when he returns, he's coming to get what he calls his bride, which is the church. And he says, he's going to take us up in the air to be with him. Now, that being said, I'm going to jump right into some scripture now and we're going to go into just a... There's no way to go over all of this in one service, but I'm going to try to do my best as I can to get into what I believe we need to know as a church. The first reference of an event that we call the rapture is actually found in 1 John 14. And in John 14, the reference to this was not made by theologians, was not made by Pharisees. The first reference was made by Jesus himself. Jesus talked about the rapture. And this is what it says. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, again, most of my life, the rapture scared the snot out of me because I didn't understand the rapture. 
Jesus prefaces going into talking about the rapture as being something that should bring you comfort and not bring you trouble. Jesus doesn't ever do anything to hurt us. And if he's going to be the one doing what's about to take place, rest assured that he only wants to do good for you in your life. So going into the teaching of the rapture, I want you to understand, I said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. We usually preach this at funeral services. It says, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. There's the rapture. You know, a lot of times we preach this at funerals, as in when somebody goes to him. But this is what the Bible says. This is the first reference in the Bible. says where Jesus is going to come to us. It says, I will come again and receive you. So he's coming to get us to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Now, that was the first mention of in the New Testament of Jesus talking about the doctrine of the rapture, about him actually coming back for the believers. Those that believe Jesus is going to come back. But then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul kind of begins to give us a little bit more understanding or he kind of breaks down a little bit more of the details for us. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, it says this, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, I have found myself guilty of that scripture a lot in my life. But I've decided when it comes to the things that are important to God, I'm going to be able to, I'm not going to be guilty of not fulfilling this scripture. Paul didn't want us to be ignorant. You don't know how many times I want to pull that scripture out for Jennifer and be like, listen, Jen, you need to obey the word I'm playing. (laughs) Uh, But he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, the word sleep here is talking about those that have died and went on to heaven or died, they've already died. It says, least you sorrow as others who have no hope. Again, when we go into talking about the rapture, there's not been a a negative terminology even used here, even by Paul. As a matter of fact, he says, I don't want you to know these things and it not give you hope. It says, for... If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep with Jesus. What we're referring to here are those that have died before Jesus returns. They are, the Bible calls them asleep, but they are no longer in their body. I'm going to let you in on a secret. When you die, you don't stay in the ground. Your body may go there. But you are a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a mind and you live in a body. But when this body expires, because they wear out. How many of you guys have found out? They wear out. All right. When it expires, you are not going to lay in the ground waiting for the rapture to take place. Man, I, that would, I, there would be no hope in that for me. My goodness. Think about the guys that died hundreds of years ago. They're still laying there waiting. That's a, man, I could maybe make it a couple hours, but if I had to think I was going to lay there more than that, I would. there's no hope for me in that, all right? So it says that though they fall asleep, 
It says he will bring those back. So when you die, when my body expires, when I breathe my last breath, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So all of those believers that have died before us and they buried their body in the ground, they're not in there. Even medically proven, they can prove that when a person expires, something leaves the body. It's called eight grams. They can take a human body and weigh it before it dies. And the minute it takes its last breath, medically proven, that body will weigh eight grams less every time. You want to know how much a spirit weighs? Eight grams. Praise God. I ain't going to be fat forever. All right. I'm on a, I tell them I'm on my diet right now. I'm on a beef jerky diet some this morning because I'm a little heavier than I should be. Can't wear skinny jeans. Jennifer sent me a picture of a French bulldog standing up on a bed and it says what men look like over 40 that wear skinny jeans. And so I was like, I can't be doing that no more. I got to get back down to slim. But here it says when Jesus comes back, he's coming back. So it takes the funeral thing out of the other scripture. In other words, when you know, we preach that, don't let your heart be troubled as a funeral scripture that you're going to him. No, it says that those that have already died are with him and they are actually going to come back with him at the point of the rapture. When Jesus returns, he's not coming alone. He's coming with all of those that have come with us. Now, let me go on that before I just, I want to show it to you as we go. It says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, there's our coming of the Lord, says, will by no means precede those who are asleep. Let me tell you, so you want to know why the people are coming back with Jesus? You're not, they're not coming back to see their relatives. As a matter of fact, they're coming back to get their bodies that were left on the ground. Let me, let me tell it to you. It says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. All right? So before me and you get to go up, if we're living, when the Lord comes back, our family members and loved ones that were believers, when they died, they're going first. They're going to come out. And you say, well, why do they need to come out of the grave if they're with them? Because you need to understand this, that they're spirits in heaven right now. But to fulfill what they were really created to do in eternity... They've got to have a body. That's why Jesus took his body with him. Because you need to understand, from history on, once the rapture happened, we're not going to be sitting in heaven on floating clouds with harps, doing nothing. We're going to be coming and going and doing and moving. And you're going to have to have a body as well. That's why Jesus took his body. Because his body helps him do what he's called. Now, it's not the same body. The Bible says it's a glorified body. It's a, and so what takes place is when Jesus rose from the dead, let me let you in on a secret. We act like rapture is a big mystery concept. Do you know this is not the first one? In the Bible, raptures have happened constantly. And we read them and we can believe them then. But yet we challenge whether, and the enemy challenge whether the one kind. You know, one of the first raptures is when Enoch pleased the Lord. And the Lord came and took him. That's a rapture. All right? When the Bible says when um, Elijah 
went up in a chariot of fire. That was a rapture. The ascension of Jesus Himself leaving this earth and going to heaven was a rapture. So we've heard those stories in our lifetime and we thought, well, how awesome God is. But when we hear that He's going to come back and get us all, it gets a little weird for us. I understand this is sci-fi, hokey-pokey stuff, but man, you can't even turn on the news anymore without it being sci-fi and hokey-pokey. How many times am I reading about aliens and all that kind of stuff? It's just another sign that we're getting closer to the return of the Lord. They're going to have to blame it on somebody. Why is this the first time in history they... Governments around the world are letting us know that there's proof of UFOs and aliens. That's because we're getting closer than we've ever been before. It said here, it says he's going to come back and give. So what's going to happen first is those that have died, their bodies are going to come up out of the grave. Not their dust bodies and not the decayed bodies because there have been people just buried in the ground. There's people buried in coffins. There have been people lost at sea. They're going to come and receive a new heavenly body that they will use to the rest of eternity. And I'll explain more of that as we go forward. But they go first. And then the Bible says, here, and I love the breakdown. I've done as much study on this over the last six months as I possibly can. And I love the breakdown of this scripture that I've read by several theologians. And it said this, it said, for this is, this we say, the word of the Lord to you, that we who are alive and remain until the evening of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. So on the day of the rapture, Jesus is going to come down and shout. He's going to yell something. He's going to verbally make a sound. But then check out what it says next. It says, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. Now, why Jesus does the shout, why does it bring that? And this is what theologically now, like I say, don't get upset at me. I, I'm telling you straight up, I'm only knowing what I, I've never been through a rapture before. So I'm going to have to wait and see. But I'm telling you theologically what theologians believe. The reason why the Lord shouts, one theologian, and a lot of them are credible, Tony Cook. I mean, not Tony Cook, um, Tony Evans, who a man I very much respect. This is one of his belief systems. That Jesus shouts. The question is, what does he shout? Tony Evans believes he shouts to the angels, go get them. Because then it says the archangel at that point turns around and shouts. The archangel is the angel that's above all of our angels. Every one of us have angels, the Bible says, that have been given charge around about you to keep you in all your ways. Psalms 91. And so... Tony Evans believed when Jesus comes back, he's going to tell the archangel, get them. The archangel who is above all the other angels is going to say, bring them up here. And the angels that have been involved in your life since you've been saved and on the planet, they're going to grab you and they're going to jerk you straight up and take you where you got to go. This is what it says. And in that grab, in that grab, your bodies are going to change. In that grab... A metamorphosis take place. The same type body that came out of the graves, a supernatural body now, your body will be transformed. Now, what will happen in that place is all of your pain at that moment is gone. All of your disease at that moment is gone. All of your sickness, all of your flaws, all of your weaknesses, everything that you have struggled with 
in your life is gone at that minute. And the debate is, will we still look the same? Well, a lot of theologians believe this. No, because there's a perfect age. And see, God created Adam not as a baby. It didn't, he was created at an age. A lot of theologians believe that perfect age is 33. How awesome would it be when that angel grabs me, I become 33 again. I had a lot more hair in my 30s. I had a lot more abs in my 30s. I plan on walking around in heaven with a long... I used to have skater hair. That's what I did. I had skater hair. But I want the back to grow out this time. All right? Because that's what I lost. But um, the angel's going to grab and your body will instantly be transformed. You say, Cricket, this is some crazy... Hocus pocus stuff. Turn the news on. Man, we're seeing some crazy stuff all around the world right now. I'd rather believe in Jesus than believe anything else going on. I, and let's get into this. Here's it. They said, says, so, and the Lord himself will descend from heaven and shout, and the voice of the angel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then he who is alive and remains shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall, shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. As a matter of fact, it says here that when I talk about the rapture, it should bring comfort to you and me. This is not something we should be afraid of. As a matter of fact, we should be afraid of not getting these words over getting. These words should bring us comfort. All right? I told you that the word rapture, a lot of people want to argue the fact that it's not in the Bible, but it is. That word caught up there in our English Bible, there it's caught up word. It actually, in the Greek, is word harpeso. Harpeso, translated into the Latin Bible, is rapturo. It's where we get the word rapture. So the word rapture is not in the English Bible. But if you had a Latin Bible here today, that very scripture says rapturo. Because it means simply this, a snatching, a taking away. So the word rapture is not anything crazy. It's actually in the Bible. It's We actually get the word from the Latin word Raptero, which we get most of our words from Latin and English and those kind of things, roots, it's there. But it's not anything to be afraid of. It simply means the Lord's going to come back and snatch us up and take us to Him. Amen? You know, there's been a lot of times in my life that I was doing things I shouldn't be doing, and my mama snatched me up, and it was a bad thing. There's nothing bad going to take place in the snatch up, the rapture, if you're a believer. I want to talk real quick and um, bring this to point because you can't really believe in the rapture if you don't know why there has to be a rapture. I want to share these points with you real quick. Number one, why there has to be a rapture is because Jesus said there's going to be a rapture. And the thing about it, once it came out of Jesus' mouth, it has to happen. Because if Jesus lied about this, that means Jesus lied about everything. Because he says, I'm not a man that can lie. And if Jesus said it, then I have to make the choice whether it makes me comfortable, whether it makes me uncomfortable, if it makes me a little weary or eerie or weird. That i got to be honest with you. It's a little hocus pocus, but so is creating babies. 
how does that work? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's weird. Eh? Scientists can't even do that in labs, make life, but God does. And that's hocus pocus, but it's not. It's just supernatural. And the rapture is a supernatural event. And Jesus said that it's going to happen. So, for me to be saved, for my sins to be forgiven, for me to have a relationship with God, there has to be a rapture. Because Jesus said all of that too. So, number one, the reason why it has to happen is because He said it. You ever done that with your kids? There was something that you said and you didn't want to do it. If you do that, I'm going to ground you for two weeks. And I didn't want to ground them, but I said it. And then they test me. And they'll do it. And I was like, shoot, I don't want to do it. But you're grounded because if I back off, then my word means nothing to them. Jesus cannot change his mind about the rapture. He has said that he's coming to get his church. Number two, the reason why there has to be a rapture is because Jesus' whole purpose for coming was to reunite us with him in the presence of each other together more than just the 33 years he was here. He wouldn't have went through all that he went through just to spend 33 years with the creation that he loves the most. There has to be a rapture because he did everything he did so that me and you can be back in communion with him as Adam and Eve were in the garden, walking with him, talking with him, knowing him, touching him. Jesus created us for relationship. And if he doesn't come back, then we don't get to be with him if we don't die. See, those that have already died, they're already with them. But there's a bunch of us in here still alive. Some of us in here are alive. You may not have known that. But we are. And for us to have a relationship, if we do not die, for us to be back with Jesus, there has to be a rapture. It says this in John 14, 1. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many mansions. If not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And that if I go there to prepare a place, I'm coming back for you. The Bible says the same thing here. This is to understand the purpose of Jesus altogether. You've got to understand the language of the Jewish people. And this language here in John 14 is wedding language. In the Jewish culture, what would take place would be if a guy and a girl liked each other, then the guy would go to daddy's house and he would pay what's called a bride's price. They would sit down. They would discuss. He's like, I want to marry your daughter. Glad they don't got to do this anymore. Now you go, make, you go ask a man for his and You got to spend the rest of your life paying for her. Back then you just bought her one time. All right. But you sit down with that father. You sit down and you say, I would like to marry your daughter. And he says, all right. Or to me, she's worth probably 20000 And let me tell you, if you were back then, this would be a, a, a negotiation you wouldn't want to barter down because you're telling the value she is to you. <laughs> be better to say, I don't have it. Instead of, no, I'll give you five. You know what I'm saying? But they would have a wedding price. And the uh, history in the Jewish culture, that groom would pay the money to that father, and then they would take a glass of wine. And they would both drink the glass of wine. And when they would drink the glass of wine, this, the betrothed, now they were legally betrothed. He would get up, he would set the cup down, and this would be said, I will not taste of this wine again, will not drink from this cup again, until I return 
for you as my bride. Doesn't that sound familiar? Hadn't you heard somebody else say that? See, Jesus is so in love with us. And then in Jewish history, the husband would go away and he would go back to his father's house and he would build and he would work and build a room or a house on his father's house or on the property so that he could go back when it was completed and get his bride and that's where they would live so that they could be together. But it usually took about a year. But the groom could not choose when the house was ready. Now the groom's father had to get involved. And he would come and inspect the house. And if the groom says, all right, I got it ready, Dad. I'm ready to go get her. And the dad would walk into the house. And he'd look and say, ah, ah, you can't put her in this, son. He'd turn back around and walk out. The groom could not go back to get his bride until the father said he had the right to go back. Doesn't that sound familiar? Bible says, Jesus said this. He said, no one knows the time or the day or the hour except my father. We're back into Jewish language again. The reason why Jesus has got to come back because he paid the ultimate price for his wife, which is his church. We are of such value to him. And what has Jesus been doing? He's been preparing a place. And I, I just picture Jesus sitting up there every day, just biting his nails, saying, is it now, is it now, is it now, is it now? Because that's the way I was the day I got married. I was like, golly, it's 10 o'clock, never going to get here? You know, I didn't get to see you until 10 that morning. And I, he was just sitting there going, is it now, is it now, is it now, is it now? But he can't come till the Father says, now. It says the same thing in Luke chapter 17 and breaks down more in marriage language. But for time, number three, to save us, the reason why the rapture has to come, has to take place, why we are going to have a rapture, is to save us from the wrath to come. Let me give you some scripture reference. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says this, And now wait for His Son from heaven, whom He has raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Guys, this place is going to get worse and worse and worse. In our history of this planet, there's been a lot of things take place, a lot of bad things happen. Can't imagine, can't even imagine being born in the Middle Ages, the way hierarchy mistreated lowarchy. I can't imagine being born in the days of slavery and they using people as cattle and machinery. I can't imagine how bad those things were. But I'm here to tell you this, what's coming is going to be worse than anything we've ever seen. The Bible says it's actually called a wrath of the Lord. And let me bring it on down to you and explain a little bit more about what's here. Luke 17 says this, For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under the heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in His day. We're talking about the day the Lord, the rapture happens. So it's going to happen like a flash of lightning. This is what it says about it. It says, But first... He must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. If we've ever lived in a generation that's rejecting God, this one is. It says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. 
It says, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they give themselves in marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, it will also be in the days of Lot that they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day, that day, there was a specific day. It says, Lot went out of Sodom and it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It says, even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back, remembers Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. Doesn't that sound like what we're doing right now? We're looking at signs. It says in that day, there are going to be two men in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. I'm not even going to make a joke about it. One will be taken and the other left. Two Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. It says, and they answered and said, where, Lord? And he said to them, wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. I'm going to break this down for you real quick. Why does the rapture have to happen? And why do we know it's going to happen that way? Because the Bible says God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In any point in history that the wrath of God was poured out on this planet, God always rescued His people first. See, some people believe you're going to go through the rapture. That's not what the Bible says in one place. Unbelievers are going to go through the rapture, are going to go through the tribulation. We won't endure through. He's going to come and take the church. Just like Noah, when the wrath of God came on the earth, before the wrath could come, God put Noah and his family in the ark. He sealed the door and he took them above all the destruction. When it came down to Lot, God was going to curse, or God, the wrath of God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the way they were living, because of what they were doing, because of how their hearts had turned so far from God. Before the wrath could fall, the Bible says that God got all the righteous and they had to go up into the mountain. They went above before the wrath fell. When the Lord comes back, the wrath of God is going to be coming upon this earth. But before He does, He's going to come just like He always has before wrath and judgment fell. He's going to take the righteous with Him. And for us, it will be called the rapture. The called up or the taken away. God's never changed. He's always done this. And so there's a lot of people saying, well, you're just an escapist. Absolutely, I am an escapist. I believe God is going to escape me before all of us have to go through that kind of stuff. Because you cannot imagine what it's going to be like here. Over the next few weeks, I plan on going through some timelines of stuff that are going to take place. But can you imagine? Are you watching the news right now? Are you watching what's going on in Afghanistan? Let me make some parallels here. There were 2,500 American soldiers 
in Afghanistan and there was a certain amount of peace. Women were getting their rights back. You could actually go home and eat with your family and not worry about the Taliban, not worry about being robbed at a certain point because you knew there was something there protecting you. But we removed 25 American soldiers out of Afghanistan and all hell broke loose. We took 25 out and we've already had to put 6,000 back in just to get it back to where it went. We can't get control of it. And when you watch the news, people being trampled. When you watch the news, people being shot. When you watch the news, beaten. You watch little girls being raped. I mean, it's the most horrific scene. I, I thought the Capitol riots were bad. But when I'm watching what I'm seeing now, it, I'm going to be honest with you. It makes me want to be saved more than I've ever been wanting to be saved because of this. You need to understand, that happened in Afghanistan when we took American soldiers out. When the Lord comes and takes His his bride, the Holy Spirit's going to leave this earth too. And when the Holy Spirit leaves this earth, there will not be the worst part of all that I see in the Bible about what's going to take place on the earth once the rapture happens isn't going to be the meteorite that's going to hit and kill a third of the world and turn the water to blood. And it's not going to be all of the wars and it's not going to be the sores that people are going to have that wish they could die, but they can't. It's not going to be all the seven seals and the judgments that's coming about. The worst part of the rapture to me is that there's going to be human beings on this planet living among human beings without the influence of the Holy Spirit in their life at all. There is no good in a man There is no good in a woman without the Holy Spirit being influencing. You see these people, these these murderers and these mass murderers, you know, they they cross a certain line when you listen to their testimonies and you hear their stories. There's this point, point they get to where they cross the line where they push God completely away. And when you get somebody that has no influence of God in their life, they go insane. I watch those zombie movies. And you see those zombies? Because when you remove the presence of the Holy Spirit off this planet, you remove it, people are going to turn on people. You can go through the Bible and see how store owners are turning in store owners and fathers are turning on their children and children. How? Why would that happen? You say, well, I would never do that. No, you wouldn't do that now because you have an influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Whether you've yielded to it or not, He's been tugging you, He's been pushing you, He's been touching your conscience, and some of us keep pushing Him away, but He's still actively at work on our behalf. But when He's gone, then there's nothing but the sinful nature of man. You won't be able to trust your neighbors, you won't be able to trust your family, you won't be able to trust a single person, because everyone will be living on their flesh, driven desires alone. That's a scary. You watch Afghanistan and see what people that do not have the presence of God in their life will do. That's going to be around the planet. The Bible says that he took them like, just like he did a lot. My worry when I read this story was this. When he said, remember Lot's wife. The greatest fear I really have is having the knowledge of what it is I have. And we're this close to the rapture and I decide to look back. Lot's wife had everything she needed. God was doing everything he could do to save her. He had her at the right place at the right minute and sent his angels there to take her. But she got going up and got casual with it and took a look back. And it was over for her. Can you imagine waking up the day after the rapture 
and we grew up in a church and we knew that God wanted to come and get us and God wanted to save us from the wrath to come and God was going to get us what we did. He's not a wife beater. You know, he don't, he's, not, he's not wanting you to go through this thing. He gets no pleasure out of seeing us suffer. So he comes and gets you, but you knew he was coming. But somehow during this course, you decided that it was okay to look back a little bit and you miss it. Those are the ones that my heart's break for. I can't imagine waking up the next morning knowing the rapture took place. And you say, well, Cricket, how will I know when it does? When planes begin to fall out of the sky because Christian pilots were taken instantly, when cars begin to slam in the side of buildings and through houses and flipping on causing major interstate pilots because the driver behind that car was a Christian, when your trains start running off the tracks and flipping, when you turn the TV on and every channel you go to, it's mass chaos and mass destruction, you know the rapture has taken place. You don't got to worry about it. It's not going to be something subtle that you can miss. My thing is we just need to be ready because we can either get ready for the rapture now or I just need to make sure you're ready and know what to do after because I don't plan on being here to tell you. I believe that he's coming to get us. Number four, why does he got to come back? Because the dead that have died before us have to be resurrected. You say, well, Cricket, that part of what you told me don't make no sense. Let me read it to you. In First Thessalonians 4, it says this, but do not... Do you not, don't want you to be ignorant. I'm going to skip on down. It says, before the Lord himself is going to come, the dead in Christ will rise first. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corrupt inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a great mystery. This is that thing. We don't understand why he's going to get the bodies. This is the mystery. We shall not all fall asleep. Not all of us are going to die. It says, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It says, at the last trump, for the trump will sound and the dead in Christ raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. That's where we instantly change to. Because for you to live in heaven and to live on earth, you can't live in this body. This body was only made for earth dwelling. You don't believe me? Call... um, the owner of Amazon asked, can you hitch a ride next time he goes and step out of the ship when you get there? You weren't made to be there. But the new incorruptible bodies will allow you to live in both places. Because we will. We're going to, through history, be going from heaven to earth constantly. And we'll do the timeline of God's plan as we go forward. But we won't just stay in heaven. We're coming back. A lot of times people mistake the rapture as the second coming. How many of you guys have heard of the second coming? Now, there is another rapture after the rapture. The Bible says this, that when the Lord comes, He's going to take us away. And for seven years, it's going to be called the Great Tribulation. That's the best way to describe it because this world is about to turn upside down. And when this world turns, there's, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, there are signs we can tell that this world's about to turn upside down. The signs are there's going to be earthquakes all over the world. The Bible says that there's going to be, you know, um, all the things you can read yourself, oh, we'll get into them as we go forward. But you say, Cricket, I don't know. The Bible says no one knows the day or the hour. That's exactly right, but it's like a doctor. When a lady comes to the doctor and says, I think I'm pregnant, and she takes the pregnancy test and it comes back pregnant, there's not a doctor on the planet that can look directly at that lady 
and say, it's going to be September 12, 2 o'clock, boom. Can't do that. But he can tell her by the signs that he sees in her when it's going to get close. I've had three. This is what the doctor tells us. Hey, y'all need to get your bag ready. You're getting pretty close. You ever been told, how many moms have been told that? You need to go and get your bags ready. You're getting pretty close. He couldn't tell you right where or when, but the signs that were showing, they were able to tell something's about to happen. You need to read Matthew chapter 24. It goes into great detail about the signs that show something's about to happen. As a matter of fact, this is not just me. I've been, the, 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 the truth of the matter is this. There are some major, well-respected ministries. You want me to just freak you out just a bit? Can I? There's a major ministry that, that really have went into great detail, and they are convinced, I mean, to the point where national, international ministries are putting themselves on the line by even making some of the statements they're making right now. And they say everything in the Scripture points to this year. Everything they see. And they say there's not another prophecy to be fulfilled. There's been every prophecy fulfilled before the rapture. Now, every other prophecy in the Bible that has not been fulfilled, and you need to know, one-third of the Bible, one-third of the Bible is all about prophecy. So, if you don't want to believe prophecy, you need to tear your Bible into threes and throw a third of it away. I need to, I need to say that. I've got to get back to my notes and, and, and draw it out, how important it was. Do you know, all right, so a third of the Bible is prophecy. The return of Jesus, which is the rapture, is mentioned 329 times in that Bible. And you don't think it's going to happen. The second most mentioned doctrine in the Bible is the rapture of the church and the return of Jesus. Only second to save by grace. When you read through the New Testament, saved by grace is mentioned more in the New Testament as a doctrine than any other doctrine mentioned. Number two is the return of Jesus. You don't think that's important enough for him to do that? The New Testament has 216 chapters in it. And the return of Jesus is found in 318 verses. It's pretty important to him. 23 of the 27 books in the New Testament mention the return of Jesus. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament mention the return of Jesus. One out of every 30 pretty important. This is something that we need to watch. We need to know. Now, men a lot smarter than me and have greater reputations than me are putting their life on the line or their ministry respect on the line of the Lord returning this year. I told you the story about 88 reasons why the Lord's coming back. Almost undoubtedly around the world in theological circles that study in times, they tell you that the Lord is going to return on Rosh Hashanah. The Jewish nation in the Old Testament, God told them to celebrate seven different feasts. There's seven different feasts that the Jewish people celebrate. The Jewish people believe that those are all signs of the life and living of Jesus. The first four feasts that they celebrate are all found in the early part of the spring of the year, during March and April. It's Passover, it's um, you know, I, I don't got all the names there. But there's four celebrated feasts. In the fall, there's three. Well, the first four feasts, when Jesus showed up on the scene and Jesus died on the cross, and one of them's the uh, Feast of Unleavened Bread. When Jesus died on the cross, he died on the unleavened bread. 
and it was proof that all sin, unleavened was taking the taking bread and taking the, the uh, yeast out of it, sin was removed from this earth. It was a prophetic thing. In the Old Testament, when they were celebrating that, they had no idea what they were celebrating. When Jesus came, he fulfilled what that sign was. There's not another sign that hasn't been shown. The next, the first four were all represented, but just the last one that was done was Pentecost. And it was the birth of the church. Pentecost is what one of the celebrations they believe. And on the day of Pentecost, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and something began to happen that had never happened before. The next Jewish calendar is three in the fall. The next one is called um, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the next one prophetically celebration that the Jews have been celebrating since all the Old Testament. It means the day of new beginnings is called the Feast of Trumps. They actually believe that was the day that God created Adam and Eve was on that day. That's why it's their new year. And in September 6th this year, on Monday through Wednesday, Rosh Hashanah is going to be celebrated. Theologians around the world believe that the Lord will return on Rosh Hashanah. Now, let me tell you why they're believing this year. Because every biblical prophecy that has been fulfilled in the Bible up to this point about the end times has already come about. The only prophecy of end times, of the return of the Lord, that has not been fulfilled is Israel. When Israel became a nation, the prophecies that said that this generation will not pass until they see the end of days. So the question is this, what generation is that? Because those people that when Jesus said that to them died a long time ago. No, Israel didn't become a nation until 1948. If you take 1948 and you add what a generation would be, and the only place in the Bible we can find what a generation is, David said in the book of Psalms, a generation is 70 years. And then it says, if strong, 80. If there's strength, there's 80. Each generation lives different. That's why you can look through history and life expectancy changed. So David said that's the length of a generation. 70, if there's strength, there's going to be 80. And so in 1948, if it was 70, it would have been 2019, that generation would have passed. But they didn't. The Lord didn't come back. And the end of days didn't happen. So if you move to the 80 mark, that would be 2028. It's the end of days. And you say, well, Cricket, why are they saying this year? Because if you take 2028, it says the end of days. That's after the tribulation. That's, so you've got to take 2028 and you've got to minus the number 7. If you take 28 minus number 7, you find yourself in 2021. As we go through some of the studying in this series, I want to show you we are at that breaking moment. You say, Cricket, do you think the Lord's going to come back? September 6th, I don't know. The Bible says this. The Bible says no one will know the day nor the hour. And the theologians say this about that. They say the reason why no one knows the day or the hour, but the Lord is coming back in Rosh Hashanah is because, see, Jewish calendar days, they're different days than ours. They go off Genesis. We call getting up in the morning, or 1201, the beginning of our day, in, at midnight. That's when it starts. The morning is the beginning. But in Genesis, God said it was evening and morning, and it was the first day. So in Genesis, the Jewish calendar works off the sunset. So their day doesn't start on a clock. Their day starts on a sunset. And so no one knows when that sun's going to set that day. But I'm here to tell you, Rosh Hashanah falls this year on Memorial Day weekend, starting that Monday 
and it'll go through that Wednesday because it goes on the setting of the sun, September 6th, until the setting of the sun, September 8th. Now, if we know that to be true, and these guys are saying that, you say, well, Cricket, um, are you predicting when it's going to be? No, I'm not, because no one knows the time right. The Bible, Paul said this, said the Lord will return at the sound of the last trump. A lot of people have been saying, well, that's going to be President Trump. I don't think he made it in the Bible. But it says that the last trump, because what they would do in the Rosh Hashanah, and they still do it today, they, they celebrate the day of new beginning, new birth, they, the feast of trumps, and they blow you, you shofars, trumpets, not horns, but shofars. During the two-day festival, they blow 11 segments of 11 horn blows. And then the last one is the greatest and the loudest. And at the last one, so they blow horns over 100 times through that festival. But when they blow the last one, it's the closing of that feast. And Paul said, that's why so many theologians believe it's going to happen during Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of the Trumps. Now you're saying it's going to happen this year? I don't know. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be ready. It could happen tomorrow. But I'm going to be ready. Because let me tell you how messed up. What if we tried to put our calendar on that and somebody that was writing dates in the history messed up and dropped the day? And you're just that close to being... Or do you realize that Israel time is seven hours different than America time? So when we would be celebrating when the sun goes down, we may have already missed the rapture because it could have... What time zone is it going to work off of? I don't know. You've got to understand. You're not going to know the time or the hour. But Jesus said we can watch for the signs that are going to take place. All right, I'm closing. I'm closing. Number five, the reason why the rapture has to happen... It's because the devil has to be defeated. He has to be defeated. And if the Lord does not come back and take his bride, then the devil will not be thrown into a pit at the end of the tribulation. The Bible tells us in great detail that the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire. And so you can't, we don't have time to get into all the scriptures, but this is my favorite scripture because see, a lot of times people get in their mind the, the, the 70s Jesus and you'll watch the TV shows and have the 70 Jesus with the hair flowing and the 70 Jesus wearing the robe and being nice to everybody. Let me tell you what Jesus looks like now. In Revelations 19, it says, In Christ on a white horse, it says, And I saw in heaven, behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in the righteous he judges and makes war. His eyes were like flame of fire, and his head was like were many crowns. He had a name written on his on. He had a name written that no one except him could say. He was clothed with the robe dipped in blood. He was, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on the white horse. Now out of his mouth was a sharp sword. And with that, that with it, he should strike the nations. And he said, and he himself will rule them with the rod of iron. He himself treads upon the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. And he has his robe on his, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me draw you a picture of who's coming. It's not going to be oh hippie Jesus. It's not going to be Talladega Nights baby Jesus. It's going to be ultimate fighting Jesus. He's coming in on a sweet ride. I mean, the dude's 
going to be riding a white horse, stallion. He ain't cheap. You quit serving a cheap God. He's going to be coming and dressed in fine linen, it says. He knows he's got class. He's got style. Said, but he's not coming down here just to hang out. He's coming to bring war. And it says this. He's got a robe that he's already got bloody because he done been through a few things and he's still winning. Says he's going to come down and it's on his robe. He's going to have a name. King of Kings. And this is what I love. You ever watch an MMA fight? I like MMA fights. But I got to be honest with you. I've never seen an MMA fighter on TV fighting that didn't have tattoos all over. And I get griped at a lot about this. But uh, it says written on his thigh. Well, his pants, because he already had it on his rope. Written on, we got the ultimate fighting MMA champion Jesus coming back, and he's going to call us up, telling you, Jesus is going to return. And when he comes, he's going to destroy everything the devil's ever done. He's going to defeat him. Number six, he has to come back to prove he's God. Has to come back. We read earlier in the scripture that said, you know, that this will be a generation that doesn't believe in him any longer. Jesus has to come back. There has to be a rapture because He will not let any other God be above Him. The Bible says every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Our Lord is coming back and when He comes back, there won't be another. People may think you're crazy now. They think I'm crazy now for believing in the rapture. But I'm here to tell you, they're going to wake up one day and they're going to think that was the smartest person I have ever met in my life. And they're going to start running to churches. They're going to start running to the house of God. You say, well, why are they running the house of God? They missed it. Let me tell you something. You can still be saved after the rapture. If you miss it, you can still be saved. It's going to be hell on earth. You're going to go through things you can't even imagine. The Bible says men are going to wish they could die and they won't be able to die. You're going to see things and evil that you've never seen before. You're going to see the rise of the Antichrist. The tribulation is split up into two parts. It's 84 months. The first three and a half years, you're going to see a rise of a political figure that is going to make everybody think they got all the answers and they're going to work it all out and they, that there's actually hope to fix what's going on right now. But then at three and a half year mark, he changes. And the Bible says he becomes the son of perdition, the Antichrist. And everything you thought he was protecting you with, he's going to start killing you. He's going to have a mark. You need to know this. The Bible says that there's a mark that he's going to have. And that everyone on the planet will be told to take it. You have to take it on your right hand or on your forehead. The question, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? No. They did not stick me when I got mine on my right hand. They did not stick me in my forehead or they would still be laying on the ground. All right. They stuck me in my arm and they let me pick which arm I got it in. All right. So let's just that that was in in Revelations chapter 14 or 13. It talks about the mark of the beast. And it says and when he changes and he takes over, he's going to put out a mark. He said, and everyone that does not receive this mark, they will not be able to buy food. They will not be able to sell. They will not be able to trade. And you don't think that's hard. Get up tomorrow and decide you're not going to go to a grocery store. You're not going to go to a Walmart. You're not going to go spend any money. You're going to live what you got for the next seven days. And you find out how hard that. And then imagine doing that for three years when your baby's crying, needing milk, and your kids are starving, and your nobody will help you. It's going to be such a place. But the Bible says that he's going to have a mark. He says you'll either have to take his mark. It says or his name. Or it says his number. There's going to be three options. 
Moderma. And I'm playing that. There's going to be three options. All right. We're going to have to edit this one a lot. All right. Uh, But it says if you don't take it, you go over to Revelation chapter 14. You're going to be by yourself. But then it's not just going to be in comfort life. Anyone that will not receive the mark, the Bible says they will cut their heads off. You're going to either have to choose if you miss this thing. For me to get to heaven, I'm going to have to be willing to die a martyr's death. I'm going to have to, if something else doesn't kill you first. The horrifics that Revelations and Daniel rolls out are unbelievable. Saying that to say this coming on into it, right? So 2028, saying when the end of the world will come. One of the great things that's going to take place at the end of tribulation is, the Bible calls it wormwood. It's a meteorite that's going to hit the earth. It's going to turn a third of the world's water supply into um, blood. It's going to kill a third of the population instantly. It's going to make the sky go dark as night. Scientific community right now around the world, you can Google it when you get home. There's a meteorite named Opal out there with the direct trajectory to planet Earth to hit in the year 2029. You say, well, Cricket, they, they missed it by the day. If it's 2028, well, no. If the Lord does come back in Rosh Hashanah this year, we're in September. The the um, tribulation is going to be seven years or 84 months is the same thing. If you add 84 months to September 2021, you find yourself living in 2029. That's our calendar. That's not the Jewish calendar. Please don't play games with this. My thing is this. I don't know if he's coming back tomorrow. But I do know this. He's coming. And it's not a numbers game. You're not going to be able to look in the scripture and find out when do I need to be ready. That's how I used to play in 88. I'm playing now. I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to serve the Lord. Say, Cricket, what does it mean for me to be able to go in the rapture? I'm here to tell you it's not asking Jesus in your heart. We have made that up. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you need to ask Jesus in your heart. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that means you're not saved, you're lorded. You're lorded. He gets to be the boss. He gets to decide how I live. He gets to decide where I go. He gets to decide what I do. He gets to decide how I act, how I walk, how I talk. I'm lorded. And I believe in my heart that he died and he rose again. He says, I will be saved. Do you want to know how to go up in the rapture and be ready? You let Jesus be your Lord. And you believe everything he said and did is true. And you're ready to go. But why does he got to come back? Because he's got to prove he's God. And then here we go. We're done. I need to leave you with this one thing. Why is it important? You know why. Why is it important we do this? Number one is because if you don't know why and you don't believe it's important, then chances are you won't be ready. Let me ask you this. How many guys pay your bills on due day? All right. Even if you had the money before, because just in case I needed something else or just human nature is to wait till it has to happen. Don't wait. It could happen before we even get out of this building. The Lord's going to come back at any minute. So number one, you need to know why. You need to know why because you need to be ready. But then number two, 1 John 3.3 3 says this, 
And everyone who has this hope says, in him purifies himself just as he is pure. If you know about the rapture, it changes the way you live. If you know about the rapture, it changes where you go, what you do, how you act, the way you love people, the way you judge people. It changes it. It purifies you, it says. And then number three, this is it. Why do I need to know? Because in that story, when he said the Lord's going to come back in the blink of an eye, the original translation is a twinkle of an eye. They bold that down to a time frame. They say a twinkle and I can reflect light in one fifteenth of a second. You will not have time to get it together if you wait. Why? When rapture takes place, the Bible said Jesus is going to come and in a twinkling and a eye, like a thief in the night, he's going to steal people out. It's going to happen so fast. You know, when I was growing up, I thought, you know, when I hear that born, I'm going to get down and get on my knees and pray. It's going to happen so fast you won't have time. It's going to happen so fast no one will be able to repent. Nobody's going to be able to get things right. When he comes and snatches the church away, he's going to snatch away in a twinkle of an eye. You've missed it. Now, that's not all for you. You can still get saved after the rapture. But you're going to live for God without the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to live for God without the power and the strength of us. I can't even do what's right now. I can't imagine trying to do what's right without Him. And so you're going to have to do it without grace. You're going to have to do it going through what everybody else goes through. And if you can't live for God now, you will not be able to live for God then. In a twinkle of an eye, it's going to happen that fast. And then this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when He comes... It says two are going to be laying in a bed. Now, I made a joke about that scripture. That it says two men, that's a translation. It's really two people. And this is the scary part. Jesus went into great detail to let me know this. That there are husband and wives in this room. That when the Lord comes back, one will be taken and one will be left. He went into great detail, talked about the two women crushing grain. What the, women didn't, they, in Bible days when they would get together, they could crush grain at home, but they didn't have to. They would get together because it was a social time. That's where they got their friends and things. They would get together and do the work. That tells me this. Everybody in here has the potential to have a friend that's not going to make it. They have relationships in your life that aren't going to go. Then it said this, two men working in a field. That means you're going to go to work tomorrow with co-workers that aren't going to go. And the reason why you need to know about the rapture is so that you do everything you can do to make sure that your husband and your wife know too. You do everything you can do to make sure your friends know that you love, you care for, your family, your friends, your loved ones. They know that if they'll ask Jesus to become Lord of their life, they'll just believe what Jesus said and did for them, that they can be saved and they won't be left behind. If you'll go to work and you won't be ashamed and you won't be afraid and you'll tell people, man, guys, I I love God. And and you say, well, I don't want to tell about the rapture. You don't. Just start telling people about Jesus. I got saved and they didn't tell me about the rapture. I heard about the rapture after I was saved. All right. So the rapture usually don't get people saved. It just gets people scared. All right. Jesus, the Bible says the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. Man, if you really believe the rapture, you're going to have to know the people you work with. The people you love as friends and maybe even your mates and family members aren't going to go. And you're the only one that can do something about it. That's why you got to know. 
I want us to be rapture ready. Real quick, I want to give you an opportunity. If you're not ready, it's simply praying a prayer. Believe in God, asking Him and giving Him the Lord of your life. Let me do that with you real quick. If you say, Cricket, I'm not 100% sure I'm rapture ready, but I want to do that right now. Just simply pray this prayer. Say, Dear Father, I ask You to become Lord of my life. Jesus, thank You for dying on the cross for me and my sin. And I ask You right now, Lord, that when You rose out of that grave to give me life, I ask You to give me that life now. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now let me get the rest of you rapture ready. If you miss it, man, you better become a prepper. Start watching prep uh, end time preppers right now. You're going to need to know everything on that show. You're going to need to get ready. If you miss it, you need to plan on moving out into the country as far as you can get away from anybody that you know because the hearts of men are going to change the minute the Holy Spirit's gone. If you miss it, you need to start getting every Bible you can get right now and start stashing them away and hiding them because they're going to become illegal to even own one. And if you're going to miss it, you get it better. Get in your Bible now and memorize as much of it as you can because there will be a day that if you get caught with one, you're going to get your head cut off. If you miss it, do not get the mark on your hand or on your forehead. You will never go to heaven. You will be damned, the Bible says, for hell, for eternity, if the mark is put on you. If you do miss it, you don't go and do whatever, however, and keep trying to live life as normal. Life will never be normal again. You do whatever you can do to survive, and you do whatever you can do. You better learn to pray now, because you'll pray more then than ever. But the difference is, prayers won't be answered. You better now learn to get in your scripture. Because I want you to be rapture ready. Whether you're going to go on the first one, I give you the information to go on the second. He's coming, and it's not a bad thing. Be encouraged that when hell on earth begins to happen, you won't be here. Amen? Hey, I love you. God bless you.